when you harbor and hang on to bitterness in your life, it's going to cause trouble in your life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Come on, let's sing it. There is freedom. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is in this house. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Father God, we thank you for the freedom that's in this house that is available to everyone to receive in Jesus name amen amen God bless you you can be seated thank God for freedom digging up a root of bitterness and, and let me tell you why I feel led in my heart I know I know that the Holy Spirit I know that God has has spoken to me about this message today and I think one of the reasons why he wants me to deal with this issue of bitterness is because I believe that a root of bitterness is behind most addiction in our culture today. I believe that bitterness is behind most suicide in our culture today. I believe that bitterness is behind most depression in our culture. I believe that bitterness is the source of most divorces that take place and families that have been destroyed. And so today we're going to, with the help of God, we're going to dig up and we're going to get delivered from a root of bitterness. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 14 and 15. He said, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so in that passage of Scripture, what we see is we see the heart of God for us. And that the heart of God is that we live at peace with everyone. And that we are holy because he said without holiness, no one can see the Lord. And just let me tell you something this morning. A root of bitterness is not holy. A root of bitterness is wicked. A root of bitterness is evil. A root of bitterness is unclean. It's not holy. And so the writer goes on in verse 15 and says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now on that passage of scripture this morning, I want us to look at three things together. Three things that I want you to take home with you today as it relates to bitterness. And the first thing that I see in this passage of scripture is I see the germination of bitterness. The, the germination of bitterness. Look back at verse 15 again. He said, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When he talks about a root growing up, he's talking there about the germination of the root. 
And really, he's talking more about the germination of the seed. So what I want to talk to you about under the germination of bitterness is I want to talk to you about the seed of bitterness. And I want to talk to you about the soil of bitterness. And the seed of bitterness is this. The seed of bitterness is hurt. If you want to go back to the source of bitterness in your life, it happened when somebody said something to you or somebody did something to you that hurt you. Now listen, that hurt may have been intentional. God forbid if it were. But unfortunately, there are some people in the world who intentionally hurt other people, who are intentionally out to destroy other people. To destroy individuals, to destroy marriages, to destroy families, to destroy reputations. And unfortunately, some of you sitting here this morning under the sound of my voice, you have been intentionally hurt by someone. But I believe that a lot of hurt is not intentional. I believe that a lot of hurt is unintentional. I mean, no doubt... There are some people here this morning that maybe you've hurt some people and you don't even know that you've hurt somebody. Or maybe you're bitter towards somebody who hurt you and they don't even know that they've hurt you. No doubt, there's some people right now in this world, maybe even some people in this community, maybe even some people in this church right now who are bitter with me, who are angry with me, and and I don't even know what the bitterness and the anger is all about because it's unintentional, you know? And and some people here this morning, you you may feel the same way. You may feel like, well, uh, if, if I hurt them, I didn't mean to hurt them. If I offended them, I didn't mean to offend them. It was not intentional, but a lot of hurt is unintentional. So it can be intentional, it can be unintentional, but let me tell you something else about hurt. And that is that hurt can be imaginary. Did you know that? That it wasn't intentional or unintentional, it can just be imaginary. For example, maybe you walk into a room where two people are having a conversation. And when you walk into the room, they stop talking. And you just immediately think, well, they were talking about me. And when I walked into that room and they stopped talking, it was because they were having a conversation about me. And the conversation had nothing to do with you. And the conversation had nothing to do with anything about you, but you imagined that it was. And some people are hurt this morning, and that hurt is imaginary. You, you just imagine that somebody doesn't like you. You just think that somebody's out to get you, when really, don't, it, it's not the case at all. But here, here's another reason that hurt can come. Sometimes people can be hurt at God because of the chastisement of God in your life. And really, that is the context of this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. If you read the verses leading up to this passage, it's all about God and how God loves His children so much that He disciplines His children. You know, sometimes when God disciplines us, it can hurt us. And if we're not careful, we can turn that hurt into something bitter. So when we talk about the seed of bitterness, the seed of bitterness is hurt. But what about the soil of bitterness? What is it that nurtures and what is it that nourishes that seed so that it takes root and begins to produce fruit in our lives? Well, the soil of the seed is the heart. 
And it's a heart that has not fully experienced and encountered the presence and the grace of Almighty God. It is a heart that is full of evil and a heart that is full of wickedness and a heart that is full of unclean things. It is a heart that harbors that seed so that that seed has nurture and nourishment to grow. It's, it's the example of somebody who has been hurt and they refuse refuse to let go of their hurt instead they hang on to it and they nurture it and they nourish it so that that seed can germinate and begin to grow and so he talks there about the germination of bitterness but the second thing that I want you to notice that he talks about in this passage of scripture is not just the germination of bitterness but the devastation the devastation of bitterness. And listen to me this morning. Bitterness is devastating. Listen to what he said in verse 15. He said, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you see the devastation? Now, under the germination, we talked about the seed and the soil. But under the devastation, we need to look at the root and the fruit. And when you think about the root of bitterness, listen to me, the root is hidden. The root of a tree, they are underground. You can't see the roots. They're hidden. And that's the way it is with a lot of folks when it comes to bitterness in your life. You're good at covering it up. You're good at hiding it. That person that you're bitter at, when you speak to them face to face, your words, and we're going to see a scripture that talks about this in just a moment. Your words are like butter, but your heart is full of war, the scripture says. And, and, and that's the way that bitterness is. It operates underground. It's, it's hidden where you cannot see it, but eventually the root will produce some fruit. And notice what he says about the fruit of bitterness. He said that bitterness causes trouble. And you listen to your pastor this morning. I'm telling you, when you harbor and hang on to bitterness in your life, it's going to cause trouble in your life. It's going to cause trouble for you. It's going to affect you spiritually. It's going to affect you emotionally. It's going to affect you relationally. More marriages are affected by bitterness than any other thing. That's why Paul in the book of Ephesians says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Because he understands how easy it is for bitterness to get a foothold in our marriages. And so he says it's going to cause trouble. It will spiritually, physically, emotionally. Let me tell you something. A lot of physical illnesses that people are dealing with today are the result of a bitter root down deep in their heart and down deep in their soul. Stress, anxiety, and some other things that we're going to look at this morning that are the fruit. But notice he said not only does it cause trouble for you, it's all 
also going to defile many. You hear me? Bitterness doesn't just mess you up. It can also poison and mess up the people around you. It is contagious. It spreads like a cancer. And it has to be dealt with. Now, now listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. First of all, he gives us some scripture about the germination of the seed and the soil. The seed of bitterness. And, and listen to what he says about the germination. He says, be angry and do not sin. Now listen to me. Paul is giving us permission to be angry. The Word of God says it's okay to be angry. That's a natural emotion perhaps that many of us has, have, have. But he said, you should be able to get angry without sinning. You should be able with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life to control your anger. It's more like a righteous indignation that, that God has placed within you. So he says, be angry and do not sin. And then he said, do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, whatever you do, don't allow that seed of hurt to germinate in your heart so that it becomes a root of bitterness. He says the moment somebody says something to you or the moment somebody does something to you that has hurt you, you need to deal with it right then, right there. You do not need to harbor it in your heart. You do not need to lay your head on a pillow at night with bitterness and, and unforgiveness in your heart. You deal with it, listen to me, you deal with it and you deal with it quickly. Because if you don't, what are you doing? You are opening a door to the enemy. You are opening a door to the devil. And did you hear what I talked about last week? There's a lot of believers in the body of Christ today that are, that, that are under the control of Satan, under the control of evil, wicked, unclean spirits. You're not possessed in the sense that he owns you, but you are in the sense that he has control of an area in your life. He has a master, he's become the master over an area of your life. And one of the ways that you open a door to let the enemy in to steal, kill, and destroy is when you have a root of bitterness that hasn't been dealt with. And then, then notice, he doesn't just talk about that germination, but then he talks about the fruit. He talks about the devastation of bitterness. In Ephesians 4, notice what he says. He said, let all bitterness, notice, not just some, don't just let go of some of it, let all of it go, get rid of it. There shouldn't be a place for an ounce of bitterness in your life or in my life. And then notice what he says, because this is progressive, that when there is a root of bitterness in your life, these other things are going to be the fruit of that root of bitterness in your life. Notice, he said, let all bitterness, and where does it start? With wrath. What, what does the word wrath mean? The word wrath means to simmer. It, it means a slow burn, and it's inward. Have you ever seen a piece of coal or, 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 or some ashes on a fire? And, and you think that those ashes have kind of cooled down, but they're still simmering. And all it takes is if you just, if you just uh, send a little air its way, if there's a draft, or if you wave some air toward those ashes, those ashes that were smoldering will now erupt. 
and, and, have a, and, and become a full-fledged fire. And so he talks about wrath, that, that, that simmering on the inside of you, that, that slow burn on the inside of you. And, and, and then he says that if you don't deal with it, he said then that wrath will turn into anger. Anger, whereas wrath is inward, anger is outward. Have you ever heard that term, man, they lost their temper and flew off the handle? Yeah, that's what happens because once something hits that simmering, smolding ash, all of a sudden it erupts. And, and that's what he's talking about when he talks about anger. So there's the inward simmering, the slow burn. Then there's the anger, that outward expression of how you feel. And then he talks about clamor. And do you know what clamor deals with? Clamor deals with our speech. Because how do we normally express our anger? We get loud. We want everybody to know that we are angry. And all of a sudden, you know, the root is exposing the fruit. Now we're, we're seeing, now it's coming above surface. Now it's not hidden. Now it's not covered up. Now that fruit of bitterness is coming forth. And, and now we're able to see that there's something deeper that's going on in your heart and in your life. Clamor. That's when we begin to speak words. And the Bible talks about how that the tongue is, 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 is set on fire and that it's from the fire of hell. And that no man can tame the tongue. And it's in that moment that you lose control of your tongue you lose control of your words and then what does that lead to evil speaking that's when parents look at their child and say you know what I I regret the day that you were born we should have never had you You're, you're the worst thing that could have ever happened to this family that's when spouses will look at one another and say you know what the worst day of my life was the day I met you I should have never married you I I I hate you I, I, I wish you were dead. Those kind of evil speaking things. And, and, and when, when, after you've had that eruption, you're like, you're like, did those words come out of my mouth? Because isn't it amazing that in that moment, how the enemy gets in your ear and gives you things to say that you would have never thought about saying? You would have never thought about it, but the enemy is giving you the ammunition to speak. The ammunition to say, and notice not only does it lead from bitterness to wrath to anger to clamor and evil speaking, but it winds up with malice. And do you know what malice is? It's the desire. I have a desire to hurt somebody. I have a desire to see you hurt. That, that, that's when the husband loses control and throws the wife up against the wall. That's when the wife gets so angry that she starts grabbing dishes out of the cabinet and starts throwing them at her husband, breaking all of the dishes. That's when the parents lose control and slap their children. That's when the former employee goes back to his place of employment with a gun and begins to shoot everybody. Do you understand where this takes you? We're talking about the devastation of bitterness. But what I want to do right now at this point in the message is I want to give you an example from Scripture of the devastation and the germination of bitterness and what it can do in your life if you don't deal with it and deal with it quickly. Psalm chapter 55. David is on the run. David is hiding from his foes, from his enemies who are out Chasing him, trying to chase him down in order that they might could kill him. It's Absalom, his son, who is leading a revolt against him. But Absalom has 
A gentleman that had been the trusted advisor to David who betrays David and joins Absalom in his revolt and in his conspiracy against David. And listen to how David describes this betrayal of his good friend and advisor. And we'll find his name here in Scripture in a moment. He says this, he said, It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. We understand when people who don't like us come against us. We understand when our enemies come against us. But David said that wasn't the case here. You were not my enemy. You were not my foe. He said instead it is you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. He said what good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Do you hear what David is saying? He said this is my brother. This is my companion. This is a man who we used to walk together to the house of God. We used to go together into the presence of the Lord. But now he's betrayed me. Now instead of being for me, he is against me. And notice in verse 20 how he describes him. He said, as for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words, here's the scripture I quoted to you a moment ago. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Let me tell you who he's talking about. He's talking about a man in scripture that if you don't really search him out, you don't find him. But his name is Ahithophel. His name is Ahithophel. Let me say it one more time. His name is Ahithophel. And up until this time, he had been the trusted advisor to David. He had been the trusted advisor to the king. And not only that, but he had been a close friend of David's. You saw what David said. We went together into the house of God. But now that Absalom is in revolt, now that Absalom has a conspiracy against his father, and listen to me, Absalom's being motivated by bitterness himself over some things that his dad did or some things his dad didn't do. But as this revolt begins, instead of Ahithophel standing with David, he betrays David and sides with Absalom. And listen to what the scripture says in 2 Samuel 15 and 31. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And here's what David said. David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Why? Because he knew what a wise man Ahithophel Ahithophel was. And he knew that Ahithophel would give advice to the king that could possibly cost David his life. And so God is saying, Lord, turn his wise words into foolishness. 2 Samuel 16 and 23. Absalom followed Ithahel's advice just as David had done. For look at this. For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. I mean, he was so wise that when he spoke, it was like God was speaking. And he was at one time that advisor to David. But now he's betrayed him. Now he's teamed up with Absalom. And the thing that has him in betrayal is bitterness. And you say, well, what in the world was it 
that could have made Ahithophel so bitter. Now listen to the counsel, the, the wisdom that he gives to Absalom. He tells Absalom, he says, here's what you need to do. If you want your troops to know that, that you are 100% committed and that there's no turning back, there's no way that you and your father is ever going to reconcile. He said, if you want to get that message to your troops, he said, here's what you're going to have to do. He said, those 10 concubines that David left behind to take care of the palace while he's running and seeking refuge for his life. He said, you go and take those 10 concubines. These are women that were entrusted to David that he received that belonged to the previous king. Everything, including women, concubines, when the one king was dethroned, the next king inherited everything, including his concubines. And so he leaves these concubines behind. And here's what Ahithophel says to Absalom. He says, take those 10 concubines up on the roof of the king's house and sleep with them publicly, have sex with them publicly, and then your soldiers will know, okay, now we believe him. There's no way after this that he's ever going to be able to reconcile with his father. And so that was the first bit of advice that he gave them. But the second bit of advice was this. It says, now Ahithophel urged Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him, look at this, while he is weary and discouraged. Do you know that the enemy is after those who are weary and discouraged? And he said this, he said, he and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. And then notice what Ahithophel says, then I will kill only the king. He said, I don't care about everybody else. My beef is not with everybody else. My beef is with David. I just want to make sure David is dead. What in the world could have happened to make Ahithophel so bitter? Why would he want David dead? Now, when you go on and read, you see that God had another man in, in, in the palace that was able to give other advice to Absalom, and Absalom followed his advice rather than the advice of Ahithophel. And Ahithophel didn't like that one bit. But I want you to notice now why Ahithophel was so bitter against David. You know those genealogies that we think are so boring in Scripture? So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. That genealogy brings this story to life. And it tells us why Ahithophel was so bitter. Look at this genealogy. It says that Eliam was the son of Ahithophel from Gilo. And then in verse 39, you go on down and it talks about Uriah the Hittite. Who was Uriah the Hittite? Uriah was married to Bathsheba. And then notice as you back up the family tree, you see Ahithophel. And who was Ahithophel? Says that Eliam was the son of Ahithophel. Uriah was the son of Eliam. And I want you to notice how this plays out. You got, you got to see this. Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. Is this, are you starting to get this? Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. 
What did David do with Bathsheba? He violated her. He saw her when she was bathing on the roof of her house, brought her to his house, took advantage of her, had sex with her. She got pregnant. What happened after that? Her husband, Uriah, was killed on the battlefield. And Ahithophel knew everything that David had done. He knew how he had destroyed the life of his granddaughter, Bathsheba. And he could not get over it. Now listen to me. David repented. God forgave David. David dealt with that failure in his life. But Ahithophel never could. David is now walking in grace and mercy and love and the forgiveness of God. But Ahithophel is still bitter and angry and full of wrath. And he wants David dead. This person that he used to walk in to the presence of the Lord with, now he wants him dead. But look at where his bitterness leads him. When he found out that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey. He went to his hometown. He set his affairs in order and he hanged himself. That's where bitterness leads you, ladies and gentlemen. It may not be a literal death, but you will die a spiritual death. You will die an emotional death. You will die a relational death if you do not deal or allow God to deal with this root of bitterness in your life. It is not going to get better by you harboring that bitterness. It's not going to get better by you nourishing it and nurturing it. The only solution is you've got to dig that root out once and for all. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. So how do we get rid of it? And, and team, if you'll come and get ready to help me close down here. How do we get rid of it? Let, let, let me just show you before that. Look at this. It says in 2 Samuel 18 and 7, it said Israel's troops were routed by David's men because what happened is Absalom went ahead and led the revolt and the conspiracy against David because of his bitterness. And look at how many men died because of Absalom's bitterness. 20,000 men. You see, it doesn't just cause trouble for you. It defiles many if it's not dealt with. So how do we get rid of it? The eradication of bitterness. How do we get rid of it? Here's where it starts right here. you got to let God reveal it. Do you hear me this morning, church? You've got to let God reveal it. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Here's what you need to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting you got to take it to God you got to say God reveal if there is a root of bitterness God reveal to me why why am I so angry why am I so full of wrath why do I want certain people why do I desire that they hurt why, why do I why do I carry such vengeance in my heart and God will reveal to you that it's at the root of bitterness. That's what's causing all of that. So let God reveal it. Here, here's the second thing. Let grace remove it. Amazing grace. 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Freely I receive the grace of God. Freely I must give and offer the grace of God. You know what grace is? Let me give you a new definition of grace. It's God's willingness and power to do His will. His will is not for you to remain in bondage to bitterness. But His will is that you be free from that bitterness in your life. And do you know what? He also gives you the power that you need to let it go. He also has the power to go deep and dig it up. So you got to let God reveal it. You got to let grace, grace, you can't do it. Listen to me, it takes two people to get rid of bitterness. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking me and the person I'm bitter against. No, two people, you and Jesus. That's what it takes to get rid of bitterness. So we're going to let God reveal it. We're going to let grace remove it. And then here's the worst and the hardest part about it. We're going to let grace or we're going to let good replace it. Because what did I tell you last week? I told you that once the house is empty, you've got to fill the house with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God. But you've got to replace that root of bitterness. You've got to let good, good replace it. Notice what he says. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Aren't you thankful God's not a bitter God? Aren't you thankful God doesn't hold grudges? Aren't you thankful this morning that He's a forgiving God? That He loves you so much and He so wants to extend His grace and His mercy to you that He's just waiting for you to ask. He's a good God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me all over this sanctuary here this morning. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We need your help this morning. I pray that as the Holy Spirit constrains you this morning, that you'll bring your bitterness to the Lord right here in this place today. That you'll bring your bitterness to the Lord and you will allow Him to break those chains today that have been holding you in bondage. Today, listen to me, today bitterness has to go. Don't carry it with you any longer. Don't be ashamed and walk out of this building because you're afraid of what people might think of you. If you come and ask God to help you deal with it today, don't you worry about that. What's more important is for you to get free today. What's more important is for you to allow the Holy Ghost to dig it out of your heart, your soul, your spirit. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. We believe that pigs do fly and we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself so why don't you come and be our guest 
one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God, I look forward to personally meeting you.